Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and here's what we do. Every week, we take our own personal stories and experiences and listen to how just absolutely crazy this is. We share them, okay? Because here's the goal. There are so many people who are walking through seasons right now that we have already walked through, and they are thinking the very same things we thought, right? Like, how did I not know this would be this way? Or I really thought this would be different. Or I didn't know it would feel this way. I don't really know what to do next. Those feelings that make you feel isolated, those thoughts that make you think you're the only one, the truth of it is, that's just not true. And we prove that it's not true by sharing our own stories. We turn around to those who are coming behind us and we say, hey, let me show you the way. Let me walk with you in whatever you're in so you know you're not alone in it. And so like every other week, this one is no different. I need you to prepare yourself a little bit because this episode is just a little bit longer than our others. Okay, so maybe walk, walk longer, knock out a few more chores, sit in your car and finish your coffee, even though you've been parked for a solid five minutes already. What is it about putting the car in park where I just like I need a minute before I get out of the car? You know, like I just pull up my phone or why do we do that? Can someone look into it and get back to me? But Whatever you're doing, maybe do it a little longer. Whatever it takes to catch all the high points of this conversation about relationships, right? It makes sense, February. Let's talk about it. So while none of us are experts, so I can't really say, here's what you should and shouldn't do in relationships. And honestly, we probably never will be. I mean, I won't. I still, I mean, I've been married almost 12 years. And I still fly into like a semi-rage every week when Ryan and I play this like trash can Jenga until one of us breaks down and actually takes the trash out. But there are so many small nuggets of wisdom to take into singlehood or dating engagement, or even those first few years of marriage, just in this one episode alone. And by the end, I guarantee you will think of someone who probably needs to hear this too. So make sure to send it their way. Okay. But for now, here's my conversation with my friends, Sam and Caitlin relationships what we learned the hard way. I can't stand ASMR. It drives me nuts. Like if it comes up, if I'm like scrolling TikTok, anything, I'm like, who watches this? Because it irritates me. I don't want the mouth noises. But I if think, it's something satisfying. What's like, a satisfying like ASMR? Like stock videos. <laughs> Excuse me. Don't look at me like that. You know, when they're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sand. Yeah, like they're like mixing it. Oh, I love that. You or know, restock like, videos when like someone oh. is putting their fridge. Yes, that is. But even that over time gets on my nerves. Like it goes from being like, oh, this is cool. And then I feel shame because my fridge never Don't will never shame, look Callie. that way. And then I'm like, now these sounds <laughs> are actually very annoying. And you are very annoying. And I'm not watching your videos anymore. No, I just hate the when you get to the lives and it's people with the microphones and they're like brushing hair. And I'm like, what? And they have no, crazy long stop. nails. Yes. And they're just tapping, stop. They're tapping and it. staring into the camera i'm uncomfortable no I, it has to be so organic like i need it to be so mundane and just like weirdly satisfying and but then the time it takes to create that that but, but there's do, a market for they it do they it. perform well you know, honestly that's do. their full-time job the one that i keep saying i don't know if you all see this but it keeps coming up is palmer's body butter 
it's an ad on TikTok. Yes, and no. they scoop it. And they, well, no, they tap on the top first with oh. the long nails. And I just, it gets on. I, like right now I'm getting the rage in me because it makes me angry. <laughs> Callie is having the opposite <laughs> yeah, reaction we like, to Ooh. ASMR that most people do. <laughs> and Callie's like, get it out. It did not soothe me. It did not calm me. I didn't like mm. anything about it. You so said, swipe. It a good time. Okay, we've got Sam has been on before. I have. With Miss Jackie. With Miss Jackie. I forgot about that. I actually had to go back because I was, I was telling Caitlin about how I was on it. And then I was like, I don't even know what we talked about. I don't even know what it was called. Do you know because it had like such a broad title, like the basics? It I was think the basics. The basics. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most listened to episodes. because. Wow. So I'm just telling you, SEO and titles of things wow. matters a whole lot, friends. That's, that's, what, all, that's what the degrees are getting us listen, these days. That's all you need to that's know. Don't even know. stay in school. If you're in marketing or SEO. communications, you can drop out and just learn a whole lot about SEO and you're going to have a great job. You'll have a great, You'll have great, a great job. Caitlin is her first round. Do you I'm know, here. I haven't told you this. There have been multiple requests that you be on. Wow. Really? How does that make you feel? Oh my goodness. That makes me feel so special. You could start your own talk show now. Do you I'm feel happy pressure? to be here. Yes. <laughs> Immediate pressure. <laughs> and there was a request for the combo of the two. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Friends. Wait. <laughs> Sam and Kat. Sam, Sam and Kate. Kat. Sam and Kate. I was like, who is Kat? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, is she here too? Is she, where's she where at? Where's she at? Does she got a mic? How did this happen? <laughs> but here's what we're going to dive into. We have requests constantly about conversations around dating, engagement, marriage, all of the above. Because it is one of those areas of life that the list is endless of things that mm. you just did not see coming, right? Or yes. I thought this was yeah. a lot easier. Or I thought this was going to go this way. Because what is like a huge part of our culture? rom-coms and Mm -hmm. every show that you like revolves around some sort of romantic love interest Mm -hmm, or whatever right so it makes sense and I didn't do a lot of them because early on and no one told me we did a handful and I was like man I've got to really and they were good they were so good I send people back to them all the time I had to go back I was working on a project that required me to go all the way back to the beginning and figure out, okay, when did this actually start? Which I didn't realize it started in 2018. That was mm-hmm. a shock to me. But when did it start? What were the topics we started with? What are our most listened to episodes? And that's how I have all these stats. To <laughs> you just know. I'm going to tell you, professional. I got married in 2018. And that Don Wilson episode was so good for me in that season. I've sent so many people back to that Don Wilson episode. The amount of times that Don's been on two or three times, but the amount of times I quote him, Mm-hmm. on just like life in general because I spent so much Same. time in his office for both of us yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like what about this Don and he's like he just completely shifts perspective every single time I've quoted him numerous times it's a true he's story. so wise he's so wise gosh do you think people say that about us when we're old gosh I don't no. know I, don't. I do feel old so I hope they say I, unfortunately I think the things that I <laughs> I say that are not wise and are kind of just dumb. Yes. Cancel out the, the wise stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the it's ratio. Like, it's unbalanced. I don't even honestly. think it cancels out for me. I think it's just a swing in the other direction. Yeah. They're like, did she ever say anything wise? I don't know. No, not once. <laughs> yeah. You only remember the, you know, the one time that I thought that Oregon was like in the Midwest and not all the way. <laughs> oh, the I asked coast. my mom in college if she could ship me milk in a care package. So, you know. <laughs> So we went somewhere. We Milk's some. expensive. It I don't was. <laughs> and I didn't want to go to the grocery store to buy it. She was sending me monthly care packages. Home. I was like, can you just put some milk in there? <laughs> One of my first, not real arguments, but like disagreements with Ryan that we actually had to like turn to Google to see who was right was where the state of Oregon was. And mm. so, because in my head, it went like if you're heading north, it's California and then Washington. 
That's it. Mm. Like you're done. Those they're just right there side by side. Ryan was like, there's a whole state. There's an entire state (laughs) in between between them. I was like, no, they're not. Oregon's like off to the side, like more of the middle. Oregon is in Southeast Asia. (laughs) (laughs) We complain, not complain, but argued about it until we had to put it in our Googler. And now sometimes on dates, he thinks it's really funny to pull out like a map, like one of those (laughs) quiz things on his phone. Like see how many states you can get. And y'all, it's not many. Like, (laughs) I I cannot get many. You can just call me next time. I was the weird kid who loved geography. Like I did. I loved geography. Really? I won the third grade geography B. Do you feel confident that if I put a map of the U.S. in front of you, that you could put each state down? Absolutely. I think so. I lived in most of them. So Uh, that's true. Samantha's lived it. Yeah. I listen. I'm amazed and also incredibly <laughs> impressed right now. Like I can't even, I get mixed up where like what order Georgia, Mississippi and Alabama are in. I'm like, I know they're one. under us, but one. I don't know the order that they go in, but they're down there somewhere. Also Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas just, it's that's there. over. It's, that's over the other way. It's like Texas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like somewhere near Texas. Yeah. I'm actually very impressed with you all right now. I, can, I so get Maine. Maine, Florida, Please, just California. don't ask me to do just math. Just the four corners. Yeah. You just, got the four corners. You're I good. Can, what else do you, I can't do math either. I just. Yeah, my inability not. to do math cancels out my geography. And science. And. I really got nothing to offer other than yeah. geography. <laughs> but this is where Ryan always says we balance each other out. Because if you have met me and Ryan, almost every time everyone says we don't understand how this works because you are completely opposite people. Like mm. <laughs> these, like you just, these two things don't seem to go together. But he says, anytime we have to like make a phone call, I hate phone calls. Everyone hates phone calls, right? Mm-hmm. Phone calls or like have to deal with customer service or have to do anything with talking to people. It's Ryan you. always says, it's you me. have a communications major. <laughs> you have to talk because his is math. Like he does numbers. And so he's like, but you have a communications major. So you have to talk to him. And I, mm-hmm. this morning at coffee, literally Jonathan was like, you have to order this food. Like you're an adult. <laughs> And I was like, what? Why? Can you just do it, please? please?" I married you, so I don't have to have conversations with people. You're paying for it. Why can't you just, you know what I want? (laughs) But look at this segue right here. You and Jonathan are in the first, what, like two months of marriage? We've hit three. Three. We've hit three official months. You're so seasoned. Wow. We have all the wisdom. Just kidding. Absolutely not. (laughs) Please. I am much more of a listener in this episode, but I've got, I've got, you know, I guess a few things to say with dating and engagement, but yeah, we are fresh three months into marriage and it's been so great. Has it been, let me ask you this, moving in and living with a boy, Mm -hmm. what was one of the most like, well, I didn't know this, this worked this way. Honestly. Like for me, I'll give you an example. Okay. Okay. Ryan, his side of the bed. It's gross. Like, I don't know. He showers every night. He's very clean, very clean, but his, it's always dirtier than my side. Like when I go to change the sheets and wash them, his side is always dirtier than my side. Interesting. Didn't see that coming. For us, what was like very blessed, married a clean boy. He is very like OCD about how everything is like tidy and stuff. That is amazing. Honestly, a blessing. I am the messy one. But something we learned early on is what we care about being clean so I care so much about the bedroom, like the bed being made, the bedroom being clean, the laundry being picked up. He could care less because mm. it's not seen. Whereas he cares about the kitchen. He cares about the living room. And so that was an early on, like, this is strange. Like, why don't you care about this? But you care about this. And mm-hmm. so that's when the thing has been the most surprising. You mean you don't have like a chair or like a trunk at the end of the bed where like all clothes just go to like the oh, ones the that aren't. Do you know what I'm saying? No, but like, like it's the a clothes tray. that they're not dirty yet. Yes. But 
you know, you're going to wear them maybe tomorrow again. Tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm going to leave them out. Every, there's always a chair. Yes. There's something you we, lay them We on. have a, a tray. It's a round wicker tray that is like supposed to be like cute on the end of your bed. It just permanently sits on our dresser. Never has made to the bed. And it just holds his jeans from the day before. <laughs> Because you got to get a few wears out of you those do. jeans. You no do. One you don't wash jeans, jeans after every wear. Honestly, Madewell has told us not to wash our jeans. If it's you've looked true. in the little like printed fabric on the inside, it says wear them two to three times. If Madewell says them. it, then we should do it. I mean, Speaking of jeans, I have news to break. I've seen multiple times this week that straight legs are back in 2023. I'm fine with that. Just don't yeah, bring I'm the fine low with rise. Yep. As long as we're not doing low rise, I could be good. I was looking at some high school. I'm fine with flair. I also don't want a boot cut. I can't do a boot cut. I will take a straight leg. It's fine. I was looking at high school photos and I did, like everyone was wearing low rise in high Mm -hmm. school. And I'm just like, that poor girl. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She doesn't know that there's good coming. (laughs) Like there are jeans that will go up under your armpits. It feels better. It's, you're secure. Yes. You know? But why was I not nervous? (laughs) But also, I was going to say, let's talk about the, the self-confidence that we had to wear the we low-rise did. jeans without a doubt. Without with a long cami layered <laughs> several times. With a long cami. And then I did a lot of short cardigans oh, that were just yes. buttons, yeah, like were they one like or two buttons. They were or turquoise. I had every color. I mean, I started yep. looking through photos and I was like, I, I think I had seven different colors of the exact same cardigan that I would wear and just... They were just I short. had like four to five jewel tone Aeropostale shirts that said Arrow 97 on the front. And those went through a rotation with my low rise jeans. Listen, I had to go to Arrow because my mom wouldn't pay for Abercrombie. Because Abercrombie oh, was I couldn't like, even walk into Abercrombie. Yeah. Step up. <laughs> Aeropostale was where it was at. It was where. It or was Hollister. Your... Don't even get me started. It was Not good allowed. for our moms because it wasn't, it wasn't like Hollister. But it wasn't Old Navy. It was a good mix for both. We had to find it. It was in the mall. It was a good you know? compromise. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It, we had to find that middle ground. because We it, did. For mine and Ryan's first, we went to a movie together in middle school. And I loved him deeply. He did not love me yet. I had to really wear him down. It took some time. Here we are. But he met, he's like, meet me at Hollister. And Ryan was very, he's always been just very cute. Right. And so he fit in Hollister, right? Like he's sitting on the, like on the chairs. Remember they had like the chairs in the front. They did. They did. The two leather chairs. And so he's just sitting casually in the chair waiting for me. So we can go to a movie and I'm like, I don't belong there. Like, come, come away from the store. Come over here. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Are you a model? I I cannot blend in here. Like you can, this is ridiculous. Get away from there. My favorite is you walked into Hollister and they'd be like, Hey, What's up? And, and I'm immediately like, like, I'm going to go. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> I'm going to go back to limited too. <laughs> also, I can't breathe deeply because if I do, I'll start like I have allergic reaction to all this perfume spray <laughs> everywhere. Exactly. It's not great. But let's open that dating can of worms. So you and Christian have been married five, almost four? five years. It'll be five years in June, which is so wild. I do feel like you just got married, though. No, it feels so much shorter than that. But also, I mean, I can go back and remember everything about each year, but it feels like two, you know? <laughs> How long did you all date before you got married? Two and a half years. Two and a half? Yeah. And you and Jonathan dated? We dated for six months. I love it. But there was, a, there was a sabbatical in between. We went on a date <laughs> and then I said no, waited about a year. Then we went on a second date and then we dated six months. You waited a whole year? We did. Yeah. Let's get in that. Okay. I'm gonna, let's, let's, let's unpack Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> 
let's dig into that just a little bit because one of my favorite things was the updates on your dating life over time I mean there were like rodeos involved there was I mean there was a lot happening in your dating life and you're like you know you're mid-20s you're out of college Mm -hmm. and you're dating around whatever with obviously the goal of Mm -hmm. a spouse yes and so Jonathan asks you ask you on a date Mm -hmm. you go and then you say no thank you yes I did (laughs) I said, thank you, but no. <laughs> Tell me why and it's, then why you circled that. Yeah. So I think for me, I was in, in my mid-20s at the time, very much wanted to have an intentional dating life. I had, you know, I've done the apps. I was very open. I got set up on blind dates. I did everything to, you know, allow myself to be in a position to meet someone. But I like really wanted to be intentional and I put a lot of pressure on being intentional. And so... Honestly, it was how we met was like super, you know, God ordained, like it was through his mom, which we love Wendy and she met me and then she told him about me and then that's how we got connected. But on that date, I literally tell everyone it was the best first date of my life, which then when I tell people and then 24 hours later, I said, no, thank you. I would not like to talk to you anymore. (laughs) Everyone is so confused. But where I was in my life is I had a full time job but I didn't have really great boundaries in my full-time job. And so I was working through a lot of things professionally and personally that the idea of dating someone who was younger than me was very scary. And I just didn't feel like I had the like time to do that. And that wouldn't be like a great time to do like start a relationship. So said no. And both of us went our separate ways. I tried to get everyone to date this man. I kid you not. Like shouted from the rooftops. You didn't just say no. You were trying to pass him off. Absolutely. I was. Oh, absolutely. Well, because like. It always circled back around. It always circled back. And I ended up talking about this man more than any other person in my life. And I was just like, he's so great. He gave me (laughs) his jacket on our first date and he brought me flowers and he's the best guy ever. You should date him. That's always how it ended. And. No one wanted to. And then finally, it just got back around of, I mean, Christian McCall, Caitlin's husband being like, but what about Jonathan for you? (laughs) Like, what about that? And I just like saw him in a different light. I really honestly judged him a lot on that first date of, I don't think you like this. I don't think you like this. I had a lot of like assumptions about his character rather than asking him about Mm -hmm. his character. So then a whole year later, I was like, hmm, I don't think I really gave him a fair shot. And I was like, but this is now awkward and this is now weird and I don't know what to say and I don't know if I just want to be friends or if I want to date him. So had a conversation with him. He didn't miss a beat. He just said, what are you doing on Friday night? And I said, I guess I'm going out with you. And then we dated for six months and now we're married. So so did you bring it back up with him? Like I would be open to trying this again or... Honestly, I blacked out on most of that conversation, (laughs) but it took about, I saw him at a wedding in July and then from July till October, I really anguished about this man. There were other guys coming around and it was like, well, I don't know. I just don't think Jonathan would have done that or said that. I unintentionally was like holding other people up to him. He was the bar. Yeah. He was the bar that was kind of set and after talking to friends for hours, I had a dear friend that was just like, why don't you stop talking to me and start talking to him? And I was like, that was hurtful, but thank you. And so prayed a lot, mustered up a lot of courage, sent out a text on a Wednesday afternoon, very like, um, like 
Im- Im- what's the word? Ambiguous. Impulsive. Ambiguous. Oh, Impulsive. Ambiguous. ambiguous. That just said, hey, literally we haven't talked in a year. Random text. Hey, can we talk tonight? Oh, that is so scary. That is a terrifying text, but especially for a guy to get. It's like, I don't love it, but I mean, I'm a talker. So if a girl sends me that, I'm like, oh, that's great. But for you to poor Jonathan, you really, (laughs) we, oh, I put him through the ringer. I love him so much. He talks about how like he went to lunch with his dad and was like, what does this mean? Like, what's going on? I don't know what to do. And then he just came and he was so quiet when I was talking to him because I literally just dumped all of the past year like I don't know what to think I'm so sorry I don't know what I'm asking for maybe we just need to hang out I don't feel like I gave you a chance like all of these things and it all ended in a I don't even know what I want like that was what it ended and then he was just like why don't we go out on Friday and so isn't that so interesting but that's also the point of dating is to figure it out yeah like to go on a few dates and figure out, but yes. it does. And I, Caitlin, I think you and I have similar stories that we started dating our husbands in like high school, right? College, yeah, college. freshman year, man. I thought yours was even high school. Well, I knew Christian in high school. Okay, that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, and that's like kind of the different thing about our story is I knew him for almost five years before I even thought that I would date him, you know? Yeah. Were you all friends in that time? No. Period? No. We were in the same youth group. I had another, I was dating another guy, you know, kind of like a high school relation really long-term high school relationship I knew who Christian was like I could have said that oh yeah that's Christian if someone would have come up to me as a sophomore in high school and said you're gonna marry him I would have been like what are you talking about like yeah I my mind would have been blown he just wasn't an option for me and I had to grow significantly before Mm -hmm. I realized that he should have been an option for me yeah you know and same for him but No, I mean, knowing him all the way through, it was just like one day and we never really talked. I can remember maybe one or two conversations that were just maybe in a group setting, but you know, it it was kind of a turning point when we went to college where I was like, oh my goodness, you are cute now. This could be a thing. Who are you? How did it start then from there? Like if all of a sudden you took notice and then, because a lot of people have said to me that Christian and Ryan are similar in that they are quiet and they're usually just kind of on the outskirts of what's all right. Like they're, Oh yeah. Like but they're just hilarious. Kind of yes. But when you talk to them, I tell Ryan this all the time. Everyone thinks I'm the funnier one because I just steal your jokes. Cause you don't say them loud enough. Like that's, that's on you. That's your fault. Right. But, yeah. But a lot of people have said that. So Christian knowing that he's more of the quiet guy, how did it, well, I guys. think I, similar to Sam, I think I made a lot of assumptions that you're quiet. So, you know, I don't know what carrying on a conversation with you would look mm-hmm. like. I don't know if this would be an option. You know, I'd always gone after the kind of the attention seeking type sure. of guy, which is not wrong at all. Some, you know, some guys are maybe the life of the party and the center of attention and they're awesome too. Mm-hmm. But I just never considered, you know, someone that was like Christian and just very humble and very doesn't have to say a lot and is okay with that kind of thing. Just never consider that for me. And so we kind of opened up a conversation. It was after church one Sunday. It was actually both of our last Sundays at that church, like in the fall, right before we started going to college. And we both, we didn't know this at the time, but we both would just eventually start going to a different church, to a different college ministry. And it was just very, it was such a natural conversation. Mm -hmm. And I was very much 
invested and interested in the conversation. Yeah. And we were friends for several months before we actually started dating. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, he was dating someone at the time and I was still kind of dating someone at the time. So I never really was in a position of like, oh, I want to date you immediately. Mm -hmm. But there was always an interest in the back of my mind with our story in those first few months in college where our friendship was so good and our conversation was so good that I always knew if this ever happens for us, it's, it's the end. Mm -hmm. I just knew. Yeah. How do you, okay. Knowing that, but also combining Sam's experience and the others that you dated, like you switched almost completely with what your interest was actually Mm -hmm. in, right? You learned enough about yourself to be like, that's actually not the kind of guy, like the attention seeker, Mm -hmm. the life of the party, you learned enough about yourself, but what's the difference though in like a red flag and a personal insecurity? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. how do you know when you need to walk away? Because, okay, this is not great. And, or you're just creating things to reasons creating to walk problems. away because of a personal yeah. insecurity you might have. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really easy to ask the question in relationships, especially if you've been burned, you know, I think when you go in and if you start dating young, if you start dating in high school or whatever, it's easy to go in and you're just like, this is amazing. And this is so romantic. But once you've been burned a couple times by some guys, it's so easy to go in and look for problems immediately, which is good. Like dating is about evaluation. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to ask the question, is this him or is this me? Like, am I overthinking that? Or is this something that's actually super uncool? And I think when those concerns start to rise, I don't know. I think we have to remember, like, it's ultimately the Holy Spirit's job to fill us, to comfort us, but also to convict us and to start to transform us. And Mm -hmm. so we almost have to run a check when it comes to red flags and it comes to stuff like that through that filter to figure out whether this is a concern coming out of a personal insecurity. Cause I'm looking at this guy to fill a role that he isn't designed to fill, mm-hmm. you know, God is going to fill this insecurity or whether it's a, a concern coming because you're not seeing the evidence of, you know, God's work and his actions mm-hmm. and his, you know, whatever that red flag might be that could actually be something that he needs to, you know, work on might be something that, again, the Holy Spirit has to work to transform mm-hmm. that. And so I think the wild thing is the difference is when your concern comes down to a personal insecurity, that's an indicator of a lack of God's presence mm-hmm. where you need to invite him to come back in and fill because you're looking to someone else to do that. But when your concern comes down to something that this guy that you're dating needs to work through, the red flag flying up is actually the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. and giving you that discernment. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important that you are chasing God and seeking God more than you are any dating relationship. Because when you're in it and you're trying to figure out like, is this working? It's the Holy spirit that you need as your helper in that. Mm -hmm. I think also that, and you can speak into this too, Mm -hmm. the, the turning point for this issue really comes when you're going from a couple of dates to something more exclusive and Mm long-term, like when you genuinely see a red flag, there should always be some extension of grace at the beginning. Like you may not know whether your concern is valid until you know whether it's actually a pattern. Mm. But if I'm real, I think, I mean, I think some of us ladies start to find this bottomless well of grace Mm -hmm. when it comes to Mm -hmm. dating those guys that are just a walking red flag. (laughs) Right. And I think, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like discipleship and the desire for more people to look like Jesus is kind of woven into us as followers of Jesus. And so I think it's easy 
to when, especially when you care for somebody a lot, it's easy to become more than friends with someone and willfully turn a blind eye to the things that mm -hmm. aren't good, but also really wanting to be a part of their life change, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I think, I don't know if you find yourself dating someone that you're just consistently losing faith in for any reason, or there's just something off that you can't put your finger on. You might be in a relationship that you need to walk away from. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's wrong to walk away and hope that he will still change either. Yeah. Like, I think if you're wrestling through a relationship with a guy who's not it, like you can still pray for him, send him in the direction of some people that can invest in him in the way that you can invite him to church, whatever it is, but do it in a space where, you know, you're not the girlfriend that he just might be doing it for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's all super wonderful. Just kind of, perspective there but I would also just go to speak more about the how do you walk away rather than just doing it out of fear and I think that was something that was a really big part of my story as I saw a lot of my friends get married and you know get engaged and get married and you know that was something I desired so much and it was constantly this tension of like okay are, is this a red flag is this something that I actually need to worry about and where I kind of found peace in that is I had to hold that up against Christ's character mm -hmm. and not that, you know, guys are going to be perfect that we date. There's going to be imperfections. Jonathan and I were talking as we were looking at some of the questions for this podcast and we talked very candidly, like we both had reservations from our first date of just, Hey, these are some things that I need to over time, just see how this you know, flushes out to see if this is a character like thing that you're working through, or is this just who you are and you don't have any growth or any mm -hmm. change in that. And it's going to take time to see that. But for me, a lot of times I would just hit the eject button because of my insecurity and mm -hmm. I would get out of relationships or just say no out of fear because I didn't want to get burned. I didn't want to get hurt, but also quite frankly, sometimes I didn't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. Relationships are really hard and I realized like, oh, I'm going to have to spend intentional time with this person and I'm going to have to evaluate myself and evaluate this person to see if this is going to be a good fit. And so I feel like if you're questioning or if you're thinking through like, okay, do I have insecurities that I am like hitting the eject button from relationships or have done that in the past? I would say 100%, you've really just got to start learning yourself. And that takes time to kind of sit in the silence and to really read your Bible and ask God and ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, reveal the things in yourself that you are insecure about and ask God to bring completeness to that because no relationship is going to fulfill you in that way. And if you're going to get into a relationship and you're looking for someone else to fulfill those roles, that's where it gets really hard and really toxic at times because they're going to fail you mm -hmm. time and time again. And so I would say if you are struggling with insecurities, I know I did for so long, like you've really got to like bring God into that and work on that. But also I would encourage you, I've got friends who they've had a tough time dating and they're really discouraged about dating your insecurities in your past does not mean you're broken for a future relationship either. And there is healing and there is fullness that can come from the Holy Spirit. And so just encouraging you if you are or have been struggling with insecurity because of past relationships, I just want to encourage you just to have confidence in who you are and have confidence in who God has created you to be because it's on purpose. Mm -hmm. And just because someone has burned you or hurt you in the past doesn't mean 
that every other guy is out there mm-hmm. to get you, you know? And I think the one thing you both said was, is this just a one-off moment that has happened or is this a pattern? So to even discern between, is this a, a red flag or is this something that I just happen to notice in passing and it's not mm-hmm. a bigger deal? Because what you see is those people who are, you know, aching for that relationship and really are like, hey, I'm, I have a desire to be married one day. Like, I want that. You can also just turn a blind eye very quickly to something that's not great and you can explain it away, whether it's, you know, the way he talks to you, the way he asks you to do something, the way he treats you overall. Is it, oh, he just had, he genuinely just had a hard day and he just needs space right now? Or is this a pattern of how he's going to treat me and will continue to treat me? And those are things that, you know, I love how you said, Caitlin, that that's discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit as well. Right. Like when you are in deep communion and have that intimate relationship with Jesus, it's not just relational decisions that are a little easier. It is all of your decisions that are mm-hmm. easier because you have the Holy Spirit right. guiding all of that. And so the combination of, you know, Sam, have you, you have the experience from the viewpoint of, you know, you started dating, got married later, you know, and then in a culture in the South where people are popping out of college and get married, like, you know, (laughs) Caitlin and I did like early on, we got married. So I love seeing both perspectives of, you know, I I get the pressure, I feel the pressure, but what you don't want to convince yourself of is, oh, man, this is as good as it gets. Like, what happened in the past, what broke me in the past, mm-hmm. I'm kind of in pieces. So I just got to figure out who will take the pieces exactly, and be okay with it and be good with it when mm-hmm. it almost always ends up in regret. But when you are in those relationships, especially when you're in long-term relationships, right? Like Ryan and I dated in high school, all through college, and then got married right out of college. So he was my guy. But the best thing about college, I'll still say, is he was six hours away. He went to University of Memphis and I was at UT And long distance was the best thing that could have happened for us because we had our own lives. Like we weren't so wrapped up in each other because that's what's easy to do in the dating, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, I have, I'm going to hang out with him tonight and tomorrow night. And in any spare minute, like forget friends. I don't need friends. I got this guy, right? So how do you create that personal space, you know, during dating and engagement when, especially engagement, it gets really busy and you have a lot that you have to do? Mm -hmm. How do you keep yourself from just losing yourself in the relationship and even in marriage? Like, Mm -hmm. especially in those first few years, you're like, yeah, you're my best friend. You're who I want to spend all my time with. Like, forget (laughs) all these other people, right? Like, how do you create that personal space? Yeah, I can speak a little bit to dating engagement. Not quite to marriage yet because we're still figuring all that out. You've got a whole three months. I've got a whole three months. But I think with dating, first and foremost, you have to remember that you are not committed to that person. Even in engagement, you're not officially committed to that person. And so when it comes to creating personal space, I think having the right perspective of, hey, I am really loving getting to know you and I want to get to know you. But if this doesn't work out, I can't put all my eggs in this basket and being able to have good boundaries. I know when we started dating, when Jonathan and I started dating, we only hung out on the weekends. And so throughout the week, I spent intentional time with my roommates. I got coffee with friends and, you know, just had a good balance that way. And also we didn't hang out every weekend too. Once we started getting more serious, it became more frequent that that was what we're doing. But we both wanted to make sure that we had community around us in the dating process to be able to speak into our dating life and our relationship that way. And especially with engagement, 
you are so busy. You are planning a wedding. You are going through premarital. You are trying to go see your family to introduce them to each other if you haven't already or to celebrate and do all these things. And you, it feels really easy to see your schedule and get really overwhelmed by your schedule and then say, okay, well, we have a free weekend. Let's just have a Netflix marathon for the day or let's go hiking and not talk to anyone. But we found so much joy of being able to kind of unplug and go back to those community of people who spoke into us while we were dating and being able to see like, Hey, things are changing, but we have people who have a lot of wisdom about the season that we're currently in and we don't have to do everything together, which I will say being three months in, which has taught us the most is, Hey, just cause we're married now and in dating and engagement, we didn't get to spend every moment together and I love you so much and I get to spend every moment with you and it's awesome. We're really starting to learn hey, we don't have to spend every moment together. And we do have friends that we can go see separately or I can go to coffee with this person and you don't have to come. I don't know. It just feels like you have to do everything together when you're married. But learning that in dating and engagement is something that we're trying to take with us into marriage. Yeah, Christian and I had the same kind of situation that you and Ryan did is we dated all the way through college, but we went to different schools we were still in the same town, but we had different majors. We had different jobs. We had different schedules. So we had Friday nights and Saturday afternoons. And those were some of the sweetest times because we had something to look forward to all week. And I think now, like in 2023, we have unlimited 24-7 access to people. And so it's kind of on us to set up what we want that access to look like. And I think, you know, the only way to create personal space in a relationship now, it if you don't have those immovable boundaries that you, you know, that you and Ryan had or that Christian and I have, is you have to create it. Like you have to set up some time where it's just you and your family and not you and your boyfriend and your family. Mm-hmm. Or it's just you and you know, you get to watch the show that you want to watch or you get to do the workout that you want to do or whatever that looks like. You have to be responsible for setting that up because it is very easy now more than ever to to not worry about that and then just find yourself constantly, you know, with the person that you're dating. And and that time can become really unproductive and really overly frequent to the point to where it becomes harder and harder to get away and evaluate how is this actually going Mm -hmm. you know and the more that you spend time and the closer that you are in proximity like if you're if you're only not with the person you're dating when you're at work or school or asleep then how are you gonna really be able to identify those red flags. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. But, you know, an engagement for us, it was very similar to what you're saying, Sam, of just like every, you know, every time that we had to spend together, it was consumed with, okay, we got to get stuff ready. We have to talk about this. We have to talk about our money. What is a bank? How do we, (laughs) you know, like, what is a savings account? How does this, what's a credit card? What is credit? (laughs) Who has it? Can I have some of yours? Is credit bad? (laughs) Is credit good? Can it be both? But Yeah, it felt like those Friday nights that used to be so recharging for us became the most draining because we were just talking, like, you name it, money, wedding, like, whatever we talked about, premarital counseling that week, it was just consuming our time. And so I think, you know, hindsight, I don't know that we did this well. If you are engaged, it is so healthy 
to just do something that's not related to the wedding or your future life like go on a hike go watch a movie do something that is not related to that because it can really consume your time and I think I know you said something about finding personal space in marriage and we had we had that same exact kind of process of oh my gosh we have to be in the same room of this house at all times you know but now if almost five years in I think we are dealing with the opposite problem I don't know if this speaks into anybody but we are, we do live in the same house. We, we are together, you know, every night and we wake up together every morning and that, that can cause us to fall into a pattern of not creating intentional time together. And so I think finding the balance in that, you know, once Mm -hmm. you kind of sink into the rhythms of marriage, if you can find a balance in knowing, man, we really need to plan Mm -hmm. to spend time together, even if it's here at home or if it's going out together you know, it can become easy to fall into this. Well, we're, we're together all the time. We don't have to figure out what we're doing over the weekend. We'll yeah. figure that out when we get there. It definitely does shift. I mean, from like dating to, I remember when Ryan would come in town or I would go in Memphis, it was like, Hey, it's just the two of us because mm-hmm. we don't see each other at all. So it's just two of us. I don't care about anybody else. But then we got married and it was, Oh, well, we're watching the same show together. Or we're, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, we're driving in the car to Walmart together and doing our grocery shopping or whatever it was. And it was like we were counting that. And then you add kids into the mix. And it's like, I'll ask him, he'll walk in the door and I'm always like, how was your day? And he'll unpack his day a little bit. How was your day? It was all right. And there's like a 10 minute conversation before, oh, we've got to get dinner mm-hmm. on the table for the kids and we've got to get in bath time so we've got to go to whatever activity the kids have this night I mean it it and Ryan's love language is quality time so like, Christians yeah. he thrives like if he's going to the dump he wants someone to go with him he's like <laughs> we can talk the whole way there what do you want to talk about like he just like every activity he wants to do with people that he cares about right like, yeah. he don't want to do anything alone and so we really exactly what you're saying is it had to flip to an intentional time. Like we're doing this time on purpose. Like we are sitting across from each other instead of, mm-hmm. you know, with the kids and Ryan's big thing. And what I've had to learn to do is I would always let the kids interrupt him. Like it's maybe just the mom and me, but he'll be in the middle of telling me something and a kid will ask for me and I'll talk, I'll break away immediately and do what the kid needs to do. But what I didn't realize to Ryan, that was like, Oh, you must not really care what I'm mm-hmm. saying. If immediately you're going to turn around now outside of like a physical emergency, but the kids were just interrupting to interrupt. Like they just yeah. had a need in the moment. And so I really have had to start saying, you know what? Hang on just a second. Daddy's in the middle of talking about something. Let him finish saying what he wants mm-hmm. to say. And we'll move on to you. Because right. Sean Ryan, I care what you have to say right now. Like yeah. I'm leaning in. You're my you. priority. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm talking to you. Yeah. Because it's so easy, especially when kids come to let, like what you just said. The top priority is all of a sudden the kids. And what Don Wilson taught me, throwback to Don, is, hey, here's the order of your life right now. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with your husband, mm-hmm. relationship with your kids, and work. Like, mm. that is the order of your life. Because sometimes we bump kids on up that list, and we think we're doing a good thing, right? Like, yeah. We love you, Don. Yeah. Gosh, Don, you're amazing. <laughs> Write a book, Don, for goodness sakes. But let's talk about that first year of marriage, when you are let's figuring out... It those hard things right so I did not realize how many people said this and I remember hearing it and I just forgotten it but we got a lot of feedback on everyone keeps saying to me that the first year of marriage is the hardest Mm -hmm. and I don't understand that statement I don't know what that means and honestly it just makes me scared like yes I want to be excited and now I'm scared because everyone keeps saying that it's so hard I think I submitted this question 
did <laughs> potentially <laughs> just kidding just kidding but I, I feel you I feel you yeah but there was just this specific person that I pulled it from she just said I'm about to enter my first year as a wife and I just want to know why is this so hard and how can I equip myself to like keep those priorities like relationship with Jesus relationship with my husband relationship with others like what does that look like so unpack for us oh my goodness why is I it had hard? so many people in that we were engaged for eight months and like we were like oh it takes nine months to have a baby it can take eight months to plan a wedding we'll be fine but we we were engaged for eight months and in that eight months so many people came up to me and said it's gonna be hard you know the first year get ready buckle up All why do people stuff. do that because it's they so also scary. do it when you're pregnant with your first baby like oh, they also oh. are like you're you're never gonna sleep again <laughs> and like, enjoy this time now without kids and you're oh like my oh goodness. my god thanks for the heads up on that one going through the roof <laughs> i know for real and i mean just seriously out of the blue like hey how are you hey Marriage is going to be hard. I I know you're getting married. It's going to be real hard. (laughs) But I had a sweet lady in our church come up to me and she just took my hand. This was pretty close to our wedding. And she said, hey, marriage is so fun. And that just made me like breathe a sigh of relief. And I might be like hot take Caitlin over here, but our first year of marriage really wasn't that hard. Do you think it has to do with the approach that you all took? Do you know what I'm saying? I think because so. It's like if you're yeah. on, if you're walking in and you're like, we should already know how to do this. Like we're best friends. We already know how to live together. We know how to how right. everything's going to work. Right. Versus we'll be fine. Yeah. Versus this is going to be a disaster, and so we need to prepare for ever like prepare for the end of the world. Essentially, I think okay. I do think this is maybe like a stereotypical thing that we say, but I think your first year of marriage just depends on like how well did you prepare for it? Did you have conversation hard conversations when you were engaged? You know. And, oh, the big one is the most of the time marriage is hard because it's just conflict, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how do you deal with conflict now in your relationship? And then how do both of you like respond to like, Mm -hmm. do you run from conflict? Do you embrace conflict? Do you love it? Do you hate it? And so I think one of the reasons Christian and I did have such a really good first year of marriage is because both of us are very conflict avoidant. So we just want to protect the vibe. Mm. Like if I get home and the dishes aren't done and I'm like, oh man, I was hoping he would do the dishes, but you know what? It's fine. We can still have a great night. I won't think about it and it'll be great. And so when we started to slip into year two, I think we found the courage and like, you know, the space to say, Hey, we can actually have a conversation about this. It's not going to end us, you know, Mm. but you know, that's how both of us operate. So if you're in a relationship where one or neither of you are afraid to just like take conflict by the horns, like maybe that's going to give you a pretty tough Mm -hmm. first year of marriage as you try to figure that out together. And I don't know that our first year of marriage, if I look back 40 years from now, I'm not going to probably say it was the healthiest year of marriage, Sure, but it wasn't the hardest, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. out of the five that I've lived through. It's definitely not been the hardest. I think that part of that was, and I cannot tell you enough the importance of premarital counseling yes. like oh my gosh because yes. the conflict part that is where we learned mm-hmm. how to have conflict right, right? like that right. is I, I'll just I'll never forget the pastor being like Kelly just based on because you take some like questionnaires yeah. and they kind of get a vibe of who you are and like your childhood and he literally was like because of you like your child he also knew me really well and he was like because of your childhood I'm gonna go ahead and tell you some of the things that are going to be issues and I remember being like he was like for example if the paper <laughs> towels are out and Ryan says hey paper towels are out 
did you get some at the store? You're going to lose your ever loving mind because you're going <laughs> to think that he's making you feel stupid for not knowing you need paper towels. Yeah. And I was like, that is not, that's ridiculous. You, do, you have no idea what you're that talking about. That is ridiculous. About. I will never happen. I kid you not. It happens all the time still to this day. Yes. That like, if Ryan is so gentle, it doesn't matter how gentle he is when he asks me something mm-hmm. that I should have done or forgot to do. I'm always like, well, how can I remember everything? <laughs> and like, it's not I, towards him. It's yeah, towards yeah, you. Yeah, it's yeah. back in towards you. Yeah, I feel that. And I think, oh my gosh, premarital is crucial, mm-hmm. you know, but also just, you don't want to have all these like surprises whenever you enter like you want to know this is kind of what we're expecting mm-hmm. our you know housekeeping to look like this is what we're expecting our money to look like those kinds of things but you know on the flip side of that and I will say our our first year was so sweet we watched movies we were living what we had waited on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's yeah. why it was so great and I loved being finally being Christian's wife however y'all you said the second part of this question prioritizing like how do I maintain a relationship with God? How do I serve others? How do I prioritize, you know, my marriage, mm-hmm. my job and all this stuff. That was where it was really challenging for mm-hmm. me the first year. I think, I don't know if this is ridiculous, but it was real for me. I had a little bit of whiplash in my personal walk with Jesus. The first three or four months into marriage, I realized all of my preparation for marriage, which was so important mm-hmm. and there's so, so much value in it. It consumed my time with God. Like every prayer, every journal entry, everything that I was reading, everything that I was doing, even in the word, all was going back to, okay, this is going to make me a good wife. This is going to make me ready for marriage. And so when I started living that and I stepped into the role, finally, I'm a wife, like, hello, we've graduated. We have a marriage certificate, whatever. I really... I felt lost with the Lord and it was almost like I had linked my personal walk with God to this wife in training mentality. Mm -hmm. Like it really was. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really think because I spent so much time thinking my pursuit of God was setting me up to be a good wife, you know, I started to question what was next for me in my Mm -hmm. walk with Jesus. And so I think my word here, I don't, I know some people have a really tough first year and that's, everybody's story is different. Everybody's relationship is different. But my word here for when it is hard in that regard, just personally, just be careful not to idolize that title of wife Mm -hmm. over the title of Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the more that you chase God's heart and God's purpose, that will overflow into your Mm -hmm. marriage. Absolutely. And I would say too, like, as someone who got married a little bit later in my 20s, I had that realization when most people were getting married of Hey, my spiritual life is being consumed by my singleness. And so that was a long time prayer for years of just surrendering that idol of a relationship in my life. But then once I got in a relationship, it's kind of like all of that went out the window and it was like, okay, I, I, I've worked through singleness being an idol, Mm -hmm. but I haven't worked through my future marriage being an idol. And I Mm -hmm. think like for us, I had to like work through with marriage being, you know, the first year of marriage being hard, you know, three months in, we're still working. We're not even a quarter way through, (laughs) but I think for us, like I just in three months, I just realized what is difficult about the first year of marriage is the, you are constantly learning. Like every day I'm learning mm-hmm. something else. Today I learned that Jonathan is keeping Q-tips in the guest bathroom <laughs> and has not told me that. Do you know what I learned about Ryan Bernard Holland? 
just a month ago. My husband's name is Bernard. Yes. Isn't oh, that, that strong? That is so endearing. I it know. is strong. Bernie. Bernie. He, uh, <laughs> he will go to bed chewing gum and he will store it in his cheek like a squirrel. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. He Kelly. will sleep with it in his mouth. How does he not choke? And then he'll wake up and chew it some more. What? It was, I, my mind was Is it blown. so that he has good breath in the morning? I don't know, but my mind <laughs> that, was blown. I need an explanation. I was going to say, that gum is probably disgusting. I, I don't know how he does <laughs> it, so true. but it, but literally we've been, we've been married almost 12 years and I was like, just found that out. You store it in your cheek like a squirrel? Like what, why is it just sitting back there for a whole he night? for the morning. I'm, I'm prepared <laughs> for later. I just like to have it when I wake up. I'm like the, Get another piece I of never gum. got to do it as a girl because I'm a mouth breather and it'll fall out and get in my hair. <laughs> and then I have to cut my hair. Maybe but maybe you can just get him a pack of gum and like put it on the bedside just table. Just a fresh piece of yes, yeah. Just have a fresh, a fresh piece of gum. <laughs> but but yes, you're learning You're things. always learning. And so, and I, and it's so humbling too because it's just like, oh, I thought I knew this about you. Oh, wait, I didn't. Does that make me a bad wife? No, mm. it doesn't. And I think that's what has been really challenging for me and for us is like, when you are learning something new, it you're immediately met with all of this, like, I'm not good enough mentality, yeah. which is just not true. God's yeah. called you together. He's going to keep you together. And so I think that's what's been the hardest is just learning all the mm-hmm. time. I remember there was a couple who said to us, they're like, hey, the most important thing, or a lot of people said to us, the most important thing is, remember, marriage is a give and take. It's a give and take. And there was this couple that I just love dearly. And the husband was like, you know, marriage is a give and give. And I was like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Like, I got it. Was that Don? No, it wasn't Don this time. I was like, I, this, like, I think you're, I genuinely thought he was just confusing the phrase. And he was like, I don't, I don't expect anything from her. Cause the moment I have expectations and I want to take something, mm-hmm. then I'm irritated if she doesn't meet my expectations. I am, you know, I'm putting these, these high things in my head that I'm not always communicating that she's going to do for me or do about something, but it's a give and give. Like I'm always going to give grace toward her. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to give her my trust. I'm always going to give her like, I believe the best about her. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always going to assume that whatever she's doing like has a motive and I'm not going to get like, he just was like, it's give and give without the mentality of, you better ha- provide something that I can take. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to give, you better give to me too. Yeah. Like, my mom, she, she told us when we got engaged and went up and saw her, her and my dad were sitting down talking to us. And my mom was like, we were like in a funny conversation. Then she just like looks at us intently and she's like, it's not 50, 50, it's a hundred, 100. And <laughs> like, and that was like her like piece of advice, but it is, it's exactly the yeah. same way. It's yeah. not, you get days off where you don't get to care in this way. Like you have to give 100% of yourself and they should be doing that yeah. as well. When you step back and look at your wedding slash honeymoon, I'm going to combine a couple things here. When you step back and look at all of it, whether it's the planning of the wedding, the guest list, I shared with you all, like the guest list blew my mind was it was like the hardest thing for me with our wedding planning. Cause I'm such a people pleaser mm-hmm. that like when two families show up with full guest list and I'm like, I don't, this is a lot of people. Like, I don't even know if all these, and not even knowing the rule that not everyone you invite comes, that did not yeah. even occur to me, but I've felt so much stress over that. Yes. But when you step back and look at the entirety of the wedding planning, the wedding day into the honeymoon, what are some things that just really took you by surprise in that season? Considering mine was just three months ago. It's so fresh it's very for you. fresh. It's very fresh. So I would say for the wedding and the wedding planning, what honestly surprised me is I had heard this, but I didn't believe it. 
for the wedding planning process for the engagement process it was so hard but the days were long but the weeks were short it went by so fast granted we were only engaged for six months but it flew by but also that correlates to the wedding day the wedding day literally it was like i blinked and it was over and it Listen, was done. Jonathan's dad was my favorite person on the wedding day. Cause he I knew that his incredible. mom had like just requested him be there super early. Yes. And he just sat at a table like the whole time. And it was he like, was he was like, I'm killing. here and I'm supportive and I am available. But a little bit part of me. I was like, I wonder if he's like, why am I here? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he would never say that. He was no. just happy. to be He there. was so sweet. We were all so happy. We all, to be everyone there. was so happy to be there. And I think that was what was really sweet about our wedding is we made it exactly how we wanted it and not in a bratty way or anything, but we gave space for us just to hang out. Like we did not want the day to be stressful. And so it was really fast, but also like Jonathan and I were laughing about this of just how like chill it was too. He was like, you didn't freak out. He was like, I was only freaking out just cause I was nervous to like see you. But like, it would just went by so fast, but our honeymoon is where we learned so much. It's and a I, whole new, it's, it's a, a whole, whole new, new world. world. It is a whole new world. Also just backstory on our honeymoon. We both got so sick, like in sickness and in health vows were initiated on our honeymoon and we were sick at different times. And so with our honeymoon, we learned so many lessons in just seven short days. And what I think we learned most was that like, a lot of times I felt like I was ruining a honeymoon. I felt this pressure mm-hmm. of everyone saying like, this is going to be the best vacation you ever take. And no one's going to talk to you. And like, it's just you guys. And you know, you need to like take in every moment. But when like we both got sick or also we felt this like pressure to be people we weren't like, Oh, we're newlyweds. Everyone knows we're on our honeymoon. We're supposed to be lovey dovey all the time, which like, if you know us, that's just like not who we are. And so I'd like day three, we were like, who are we? Like, what is going on? (laughs) And so we just felt like we were just doing our honeymoon wrong. Like we just felt like this isn't the way it's supposed to go. This is what people told us to. And it was in that moment that we realized we came into the honeymoon with expectations we didn't even know that we had. Mm -hmm. And so we learned very quickly how expectations can bring on a lot of conflict. And I remember we had this pool that was like a saltwater pool or something. It was like really gross if you went underwater, but we would just take laps. Like there was like, I think it was like day four. It was in between him being sick and me getting sick the next day. And it was just a really chill day. And we just took laps around this pool and we were just talking about all the things, all the things we were feeling. Hey, it's okay that I'm like struggling right now. We need to talk about that. And it was in that moment that we just learned like, Hey, we're a team and we've got to talk to each other about things and when we do have expectations it's not doing either one of us good just to keep those to ourselves and it's okay if things are not the way that you thought or I feel like you think should go like things should be going but I think also when you go on your honeymoon you just expect everything to like change overnight it's like well we're married now Mm -hmm. like everything's different and it's like it's honestly not. You're still my buddy. You're still my pal. You're still my best friend that I've been wanting to be married to. The only difference is we just don't go home at night. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like that was kind of a perspective change for us. Just that not everything changed all of a sudden. Sure. But it was this, hey, we've got to communicate because we are on the same team and we're not 
like just husband and wife, but we're also still friends. Yeah. And so that was something that we, that was really surprising to us. And no one, no one prepared us for that. And it was a <laughs> grand old time. I remember Whitney Gooch saying, she was like, I wish I had realized sooner that advice is not expectation. Like, correct. Yeah. You can give me advice and that's fine. Cause everyone wants to, I feel like every time you walk into a new season, everyone's like, and let me tell you everything let, I let know. Let me tell you all the ways you have to do it. And yeah. right. it's like advice, you can take it, but it doesn't have to become an expectation. And there's also just like insane expectations with the honeymoon in general of what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then when it's not that, you're like, wait, is something wrong with me? Is something yeah. wrong with you? Is something wrong with us? Like, is this not how yeah. it's supposed to be? Mm-hmm. You know? So. Well, and it's like with, like, I also felt so like, honestly the best feeling is like I just felt dumb because also like I was so intentional during the wedding planning process just like hey I don't want expectations like we had had so many conversations in premarital of like hey we know expectations bring conflict let's just put all of our cards on the table so we were so intentional about that but then it revealed through our honeymoon that we actually did have expectations Mm -hmm. that we didn't realize that we had and so that was also like hard because it was like gosh, I tried so hard and like, I still didn't like do well at this, but then it was like very humbling to be like, you know what? It's fine. I'm just going to say, I'm sorry. You're going to say you're sorry and we're going to move forward. Mm. So, Mm. yeah, I think on the wedding too, I think I was super surprised at how little concern I had for the details on the actual day. That surprises me about you. Like I didn't, I remember the photographer was like, I've never worked with a bride who, just doesn't care. And I was like, it's not that I don't care. I just know by the end of the day, we'll be married. That's all I Were care Were you the about. same way? Yeah. Like that she, surprises me about you too, yeah, though. She was like, how are you not like, and I, I mean, just, just with what we do, yeah. like as a, as jobs and different things like that, it's just like, I really, we, I think you need to be very strategic and like, you need to talk about logistics and details of your day and you need to communicate with your people and all things. But you know, when we were actually like, the morning of our wedding, I was like, oh my gosh, something's going to go. I had like a minor freak out of this day is going to like end in flames somehow. And when the day got rolling, you could have told me really anything. Cake didn't get here, you know, like whatever, like none of that happened obviously, but you could have told me any detail and I'll be like, okay, you know, we're getting married today. So, and that, I think I just expected to be like so concerned and, and like downstairs in the reception area, like pointing fingers and no, well, because I culture wasn't. shapes that in us. Yeah. You know, like yeah. culture, they shape the view of like the wedding day and what the bride's like. They shape the view of the honeymoon. Exactly. They shape the view of everything. Yeah. And I, for me, one of the most memorable moments that I have of our wedding day was when we got in the car and drove off. Mm-hmm. And it's because you, you have this set up expectation of all these big moments, like walking down the aisle. If you do a first look, you know, whatever, when they pronounce you the kiss, whatever it is. But for me, I remember as we ran out, we got in the car, we shut the door, we drive off and it's like, oh, hi, you know, <laughs> I haven't actually talked to you all day. Yeah. What just happened? <laughs> you know? And so that was such a, like, that was just such a fun moment for us. It's like every, all of our people were there. They made a huge deal out of us and it was such a celebration. But then man, like, Hey, yep. like you're the reason I'm here. <laughs> we have know? a piece of paper now we and do. everything changes. Yay. We just, we do. Yeah. I, I think too the wedding has I love how much you all talk about those expectations and what you think it's supposed to be and then when it's not that how do you react how do you respond mm-hmm. you know are you ready to just like lose your mind or are you like that's all right do you have the self-awareness to be like 
that's okay. Like, I'm going to, maybe I need to apologize. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to tell you how I feel. So you apologize. It's the balance of really knowing each other mm-hmm. yeah. in those moments. And as you continue growing together, right? So you get the wedding underway, honeymoon, but then you show up into real life and you have to do your every day together, which heightens even more because before you think, well, you know everything about my life, but then you live with the other person mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, now you really know everything about my life. How do you keep adjusting as you both keep growing? Because this was a huge thing for me. Ryan and I have talked about this all the time is how much the Ryan that I married back in, you know, 2011 is not the Ryan I'm married to now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has grown and he has mm-hmm. changed and I have grown and changed. So I didn't realize how much you have to keep getting to know your spouse. Like you have, it's not just, you know, you get to know him and I'm mm-hmm. going to marry you. You continue to do it. So as you change with new seasons and you're all's short and longer <laughs> experience. How do you make sure you don't leave the other person behind as you keep growing? Right. And cause they're growing too. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you find that balance? I mean, God is going to continue to develop you as long as you allow him to do like, that's the way of life. And I think, you know, you think, Oh man, I really need to be at this point in my life before I am ready to be a husband or a wife or whatever that is, which is true to a certain extent, but you know, the growth is real. And so I think if you go in knowing this is going to be a gradual development for both of us and you, you're doing that, you know, for, for God's purposes and after, you know, the things of God, then God honors that and he will grow the two of you together, you know, but I'm kind of in probably a similar boat, maybe not quite as far along, definitely not quite as far along as you and Ryan, but the further that Christian and I have gotten into our marriage, the more I see him grow like he's such like a better man of God every day he's become such a better leader and I just I know that that's going to continue to change and I think you know one of the coolest things is when God is doing a similar work in both of your lives and you get to see that he's you know kind of using what he's teaching you individually to spur each other on but it's not always the case you know and sometimes there have been times when I know like I just have a burst of like inspiration or motivation in my quiet time or something like that. And, you know, maybe Christian's not feeling that, or maybe it's the other way around. And I think, you know, I think that there just has to be this open door policy, like you were saying of like, we have to hold each other up in this and, you know, how you're growing when you're feeling weary, whatever it is and challenge the other, motivate the other, And then the more that God is teaching one of you, the more that he can teach both of you if you're open to discuss it together. That's what I've loved watching just in the past two years that I've learned about Ryan and the value of marriage and the value of who you marry is how much you call that growth out of each other. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I'm not just over here in my own little on my own island growing personally and I just happen to share it with Ryan. Sometimes he is he's calling that growth out of me. Like he's seeing where I'm at and he was like, I don't like here's what I really think. Here's what I really see. And it pushes me into a season of growth that I wouldn't have stepped into right. myself. Yeah. And it just, again, is such an incredible reminder of how God pairs people together and mm-hmm. things like that. Cause that just, Ryan's very even keel. Ryan's very mm-hmm. like, he's a man of comfort. He likes Crocs at all times before they were cool. You know, like he doesn't wear them for fashion. He wears yeah. them for comfort Strap a thousand on. percent. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course he's a, Captain safety. Like he would, yeah. he's not that I reckless. No <laughs> risk. <laughs> but 
the way was specifically in the past two years of our marriage that he has just called things out of me mm-hmm. that, and I was open to him doing it, but I only see that in hindsight is the, yeah. those growth points. And he had to grow with me because there were times that I could not sustain it. And that was the point of him being my partner was, right. that's okay. I'm going to remind you why you're in this. I'm going to remind you right. why you're taking these steps and right now. For us, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very, very verbal processor. And so a lot of times for me to get to the bottom of exactly what I need to grow in, I have to talk about it. Sure. And I am so like fortunate to have married the best listener. Mm-hmm. He will sit and listen and pay attention and hear what I have to say. And then, like you said, Callie, just then he can identify, mm-hmm. okay, here's what I feel like you're saying. But on the reverse of that, you know, Christian's a very internal processor. And sometimes because of that, he can be like, man, I really can't discern exactly what it is that's bothering me. I can't discern what's actually going on and being someone who can sit and talk about it all day long. Yeah. It has been so special to consistently be able to sit across the table from each other and say, okay, we need to help each other figure this out. Mm-hmm. And whenever you, whenever you cut that off, that's whenever it becomes really hard to grow together mm-hmm. because how else are you going to, you know, be able to work through things if you're not keeping communication going. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was going to say just with that, like we literally had a conversation this morning, Jonathan and I about how we need to be really intentional about creating space for that and communicating that space that's been created. For example, we went to dinner last night and I thought it was just a casual dinner. And then he was like, no, that was our date. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? I'm so sorry. Like I was on my phone. Like I wasn't really, I was just goofing off like I wasn't talking about anything (laughs) real like if I knew that that was like our time for that week I would have like been so much more intentional Mm -hmm. and brought so many more like things of like what God's teaching me and like where I've been challenged this week and things like that and so I feel like communicating what is going on and like how you guys are going to plan on doing that if it is date night or if it is your meal times or whatever that is if it's car rides to the dump like whatever Mm -hmm. it is being able to communicate that I feel like is so important so that both of you are super intentional because he was like, oh, I didn't care. And I was like, okay, but if we did this for like four months, you would think <laughs> I really don't care about our marriage. And so just trying to like be on the up of that. But also the power of prayer is something that like both of us have really just been able to see is like praying for each other. Like I know that Jonathan prays for me every single morning and sometimes he'll text me what he prayed for me. But other times like I'll shoot him a text and just be like, Hey, this is going on today. Can you pray for this? And he was like, I'm going to add it to the list. And I know he's so faithful to pray for me. And I know that like that has really challenged me to be so faithful to pray for Mm -hmm. him. And so just being able to use our own personal time with the Lord to pray for each other. And then when things are hard, he is really led by example, which like how y'all were saying has like called you out and like kind of like challenged you when things get hard or when we're going through something that like with something like with our family, like that's, that's just really hard and it's really like hard to navigate. He will just stop and just pray right in that moment for us. And we've just seen like the power of prayer just in our marriage and through our engagement a lot too. And so that's something that has really helped us adjust is like, Hey, if I feel out of alignment, I need to first align myself with the Lord and then we can be aligned together. And we both are trying to make that more of a priority in our marriage because we've seen the benefit and the power of that. 
Yeah. If you flip it, you know, out of those conversations and flip those conversations to the practical side that you didn't think to think about, because like, I think as women, we lean towards, you know, like, how are we feeling? How are we thinking about things? How are we approaching things? Right? right. And then there's the other side of like, oh, we're bringing two finances together. We are bringing two very different outlooks on how we spend. Home or, styles. Yes. Like, <laughs> I want this pillow. Yes. Like decor and all of this stuff. Like we are bringing two very different things together. What was it like, for example, Ryan and I with finances, Ryan is a very firm believer of you get what you pay for. And so he will save to get something that's way more high end where I'm like, if it's not 75% off, I am not buying it. (laughs) Right. And I mean, it's just very different approaches Mm -hmm. of how we spend. And that took us a long time to get, (laughs) to get used to because I was so tight fisted with all of our finances. Like I remember when we were due a new car, like we had to get, a new car and he wanted a truck and I was like, no, they're too expensive. What is the cheapest car we can find? And he was like, Callie, if you buy the cheapest car you can find, we're going to buy another one in about a year. So like you've got to, so I mean, there were these things that we just, it was really hard for us to bring together. What was your all's experience with bringing those kinds of things together? Especially because I was, raised in a tight-fisted family like Mm -hmm. we had savings accounts and everything went to savings Mm -hmm. you don't spend anything you go Mm -hmm. into savings right so what was it like for you guys bringing two viewpoints okay well I married an accountant so (laughs) I live with a professional okay you guys which is extremely helpful yes it is absolutely Ryan has to run all budget because again he does numbers right exactly does ours too so you know three women that can't do anything (laughs) with money no math. I was told there would be no math. It was not ever questioned that we would bring our finances together. I think that is one of the most unifying things to do as a married couple. You know, when you have view your finances as something that both of you steward together, it kind of dispels any conflict that sometimes comes in regards to like who's earning what, you know, it's just, this is ours. One thing that we had to work on was becoming more collaborative, especially in our like financial goals. It was so easy for me at first and still is sometimes to take a backseat to Christian's financial choices because I just so blindly trust his discernment and knowledge. He's so cautious and I know he's very strategic and he's generous. And so I very much have faith in him in that way, but it became really easy for me to be almost lazy or like, you know, not present you know, mm-hmm. I, whatever you tell me I can spend this month, I'll do it, you know, <laughs> and, and that's not exactly the model that we yeah. want, you know, and then we run into problems when we were making bigger financial decisions because I didn't know what I didn't know, yeah. you know, I used to, um, Ryan pointed out to me at one point, he said, what, like big financial decisions, like mm-hmm. the purchase of a car, and I'll still yeah. do it sometimes purchase a house. He was like, I believe that you don't put your opinion on it. Because <laughs> if we make the purchase, and it doesn't turn out great, you then can say fault. you did Correct. that. Like you, And yeah. he was kind of right. I mean, like, oh, exactly. Well, you know, exactly. you know me better than I know myself. <laughs> and it feels like to me, there is one person in every marriage who is more concerned with finances than the other. I, I know that that's not always true, it's not me. but <laughs> and spoiler okay, alert, never it's mind. never me. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, but I am that person who is just not as concerned. And so if you are that person, I think jump in, you know, be honest with each other. For me, it has been not being afraid to ask questions when I'm confused about something. I don't know. Like even if one, if, if one person has a leg up, you know, it can become really hard to, mm-hmm. to feel like, May, can I ask what that means? Can I ask mm-hmm. why we're choosing to do this? You know, like, and when you, I mean, I am 26 years old, but when you first 
Chris and I got married when we were very young. We had one month out of college. When you first start adulting, if you will, like it's like, sorry, what is an interest rate? Yep. Like, why is that important for and us it to feels know? Like at some point, someone should have explained that to you mm-hmm. instead of pre-cal. Yeah. But once again, math is like, you know, off the table. But I think for me, it has been be unashamed, ask questions and try to gain understanding. And, you know, that doesn't fix all financial situations. But that's kind of the step that I feel like I need to take. Mm-hmm. Well, it also takes the pressure off. Yes. Ryan said, I don't like carrying the pressure of making every single financial decision. Like I want us to make them together. Valid. And I just didn't realize he was feeling yeah. the pressure mm-hmm. of it of like, it's all riding on me. I would like your opinion. Yeah. I was going to say for my engaged girls, premarital is so helpful and was so helpful for us when it came to the conversation of finances because that is just something culture tells you not to talk about. Like you don't talk about your salary. You don't talk about what you make. You don't talk mm-hmm. about your savings account. You don't talk about anything, which then makes us question what interest rates are. Cause no one's telling us about it. <laughs> and so I know going into like our premarital sessions, like I was so anxious about our finance one because my husband is not an accountant, but he <laughs> deals with like insurance and he is so proud to have been through like the financial freedom course when he was like 13. And like, he <laughs> loves Dave Ramsey. Like he is so passionate about, you know, financial stability, yeah. which I could not have cared less about. And I like mm-hmm. to get my nails done. Exactly. So what is, what does this mean? <laughs> and I, I like, I judged my life and like how well I was doing is like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't have like, I'm, I'm paying my rent. I've got a couple extra bucks to go do whatever I want. Like I'm good. I've got a savings account. How much is in there? I don't know. But you know, tell you, I don't even know how much I make to this day. Uh, like Ryan will be, I never in my life have known how much I'm actually getting deposited into <laughs> Correct. an account. Ever. I remember I first, I got like a raise one time and they were like, is this good? And I said, I don't even know what I was. Making. I don't know. <laughs> that was always my answer. Ryan was like, you have to know. I'm like, I don't need to know. If I you think it's too low, you'll tell me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to advocate for myself. If you think it's too myself. low, there's nothing you can do about <laughs> yeah. it anyway. And so I will say, though, in engagement, when we were starting to have the conversations about finances, I was so stressed because I felt like I wasn't bringing an equal amount Mm -hmm. to the marriage. Mm. I knew that I made less than Jonathan just because of our jobs. I think I knew I'm in ministry and you have like a, a like real like secular job. job. So I just, I'm always going to make less. Yeah. I am. I am lower here. Hands and feet of Jesus. Yes. I am. (laughs) But I get way more jewels in my crown. (laughs) (laughs) I am passionate about my work. And so I kind of felt this like guilt of like, Oh, when we do combine our finances, kind of like what Kaylin was saying, like that wasn't a, if it was more of a, when do we do that conversation? I was like, gosh, I just don't feel like I can spend. Cause I don't feel like I'm contributing as much as you are to mm. our family. Like I felt like it was kind of this percentage, like, sure. Yeah, I, I felt brought like in that this too. Yeah. Like, Hey, is it okay if yeah. I do this and asking permission, not because we're in this together, but because technically this is part of your paycheck yes oh I just tell Ryan you need to make more money so I can spend more money like there's a pair of <laughs> Nikes I want to get I just need you to bring bring gonna, it to the I'm table try that one I'm gonna try that one but also I will speak to this too which I think probably some listeners can resonate with maybe not everyone but I also had a lot of guilt because I had student debt that I was bringing into our marriage mm. and like I said my husband did not because Dave Ramsey, he like knew all the things and he was very diligent and worked hard not to have that be part of his life. 
And here I was bringing something that he did not really want. Sure. And so I felt a lot of guilt bringing that into the marriage. And he was so kind and so gracious. Obviously, he loved me. He was like, this is literally not even a conversation. But I will say, three months in, we are now debt-free. Dave Ramsey. Oh Dave Ramsey. Gosh, Dave. And so that was something that I just want to like encourage any of our listeners. Hey, like that you can feel guilt because that's what like society and culture is going to tell you. But like, if you are with the right person, you know, we're talking about marrying the right person. The point of that, you know, it is going to be something that you need to walk through together. Do not feel Mm -hmm. like you need to like keep that hidden because that's going to be what's brought in anyways. So you need to have conversations and need to have the tough conversations while you're engaged Mm -hmm. so that your first year is not as hard. If you zoom out, right. You zoom out over all the experiences that you've had leading up to this point, regardless of how long you've been married, what's the best relationship advice that you have been given? Like what is some advice that comes to mind often when it comes to your marriage? Man, I think for dating, I don't know if this came out of a book or if, cause you did know, you Sam kiss dating I, goodbye? No, I was <laughs> a little bit too young for that era, but I was on the, I never did. Didn't even read the book. I was like, I'm never going to do that. So never read it. no, I did not kiss dating goodbye, but <laughs> Sam and I did, we did a, a relationship study over the summer with our small, with group, our small yeah. group. And I think this this like wisdom came out of that study in some form or fashion, but especially when you're looking at dating, you want your dating relationship to produce two things and you want both of them to be present in a relationship. You want it to produce desire and you want it to produce life. And, you know, desire is that thing that, you know, makes you want to be around each other. Like you think about them when you're not with them and, you know, you want to be around them as much as possible. You get excited to see them. But life, I think that's the part that we miss so much in those relationships. And that's the spiritual, kind of like spiritual attraction. It's Mm -hmm. like when your company with each other pushes both of you towards the things of God and you look at each other and see qualities of Jesus' character you wish you had more of. And I think desire is the easy part. It's so quick to identify, sometimes even immediate. Like, this guy looks good. He smells good. Like, He smiled at me one time, but he might have been smiling at the person behind me, but I'm not exactly sure, but it did it for me. But once it's established, it's something that we want more of, you know, and knowing whether a relationship is going to be life-giving takes so much longer. And it's not a quick glance across the room type of thing. And so knowing you want your relationship to have both of those things, but that the second one takes time and discernment and prayer and tons of conversation you got to be willing to go deep with the other person Mm -hmm. to identify it. And you got to know their story and build trust. And we want to keep pursuing that when that's established Mm -hmm. too, you know, but like the good piece of advice there is if you have one and not the other, it's probably not meant to be. Mm -hmm. And if you have desire, but there's nothing that produces life out of it, not it, you know, or you can just meet the greatest, sweetest, like most Christ-like dude. And you're just like, just not that into you man you know and that's also not it and I I think I've dated both like I dated the guy where it's like you are hilarious and you make me laugh and I'm really attracted to you and I want to hang out with you but I just know there's nothing life-giving that's going to come out of this but on the flip you know I also dated a guy and I had a ton of confidence that our relationship and maybe even like a hypothetical marriage with him would be life-giving like I admired so many things about him But at the end of the day, I just wasn't crazy about it. You know, when we hung out, it was fine. When I got home, it was also fine. It was fine. (laughs) That's like the worst way to describe it. I mean, it's fine. And it's so hard because it's like, this should be right. And I think, you know, it's really important to know 
you can have that life-giving part and have desire grow out of that. Mm -hmm. You might not have that immediate spark Mm. with someone, but as soon as you watch him serve or you watch him interact with somebody or handle a tough situation, it starts to develop this, Mm -hmm. this desire of like, man, I really want to be around you more, you know? And so I think the best way discern if a relationship is going to, if it's going to head towards marriage, you know, is, is it producing those two things? And if you have a relationship that has desire without the life-giving part of it, that desire has the power to kill the Mm life-giving part of it, but it doesn't go the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, a relationship that produces life doesn't have the power to kill desire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said there, like that just sums up on Jonathan's relationship that I knew he gave me life, but I didn't quite desire him at that time. And then over time I saw how he served, how he loved, how he cared. You know, I've heard that story several times of, I remember there was a couple in college and we all were like, you all need to date. You all need to date. And the guy was like, no, no, no. The girl was like, I'm okay with it. I'm open to it, whatever. And they started dating. I'll never forget him saying to me, like, she's so good. Like she makes me better. Mm -hmm. But she was, he was like, I'm just not that attracted to her yet, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it time and see what happens. And I remember being like, that's not going to work. That's never going to work. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You're wasting everybody's time. You're going to hurt her. Like I was on one about yeah. it. Right. But over time, that's exactly what happened. Like mm-hmm. his attraction built and they ended up married and they have two beautiful children now and they are yeah. so happy. But I just remember the first time, yeah, I didn't even think about that till you just painted that picture, Caitlin. Yeah. But I just remember being like, that's the most, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's actually kind of true. Like it, it can, it is. So does, yeah. yeah. It both, both take time to yeah. see if they're there. Absolutely. And I think with that too, it's like, you've got to make sure that the desire is not just attraction, like sure. personal mm-hmm. like features, because it is like, that stuff is going to fade. You see that all the time. Right. Like, and you're also going to see a whole lot of things that are not attractive. Correct. Hello, childbirth. And mm-hmm. you're going to have to get past mm-hmm. it. You know, well, (laughs) and you know, we want to chase that. And I think a lot of us want to shut down like, oh, I'm not going to open up a topic of faith or Jesus or anything like that, because then it's going to kill this like thing that we got going, you know, Mm -hmm. and that I think don't be afraid to to seek that stuff. Don't be afraid to pursue, you know, see if this person can match your level of, you know, connection with God and and relationship with God because you got to have both and it's got to be mutual. You have to. And ladies, I can't say it enough. He has got to be able to lead you. Like Mm -hmm. he has got to confidently lead you. Not when you ask him to, not when you, whatever, like Mm -hmm. it, it almost has to be, he has to be naturally prepared and ready. Right. And at this point in a relationship with Jesus that he not only can lead you, but wants to. Yeah. And not just lead you financially, not just lead you on big decisions, Mm -hmm. but like he is leading the faith of your home Yeah, because that will all trickle down to your family. Like, well, and yeah, like we said this summer, we are, you're not looking for a perfect guy. You're looking for a perfectible guy. Like you're looking for a guy who wants that and is, is like, trending in that direction you know I met Christian when he was met him when he was barely 15 and by 18 when we started dating he wasn't you know necessarily ready to lead me but he was trending in that direction that was Ryan and I same exact story in college and I remember having and I've shared this story before but we were in college and it was I guess like my third year so it was his second year and he came home and it was the one of the first things that God has ever asked me to do was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do but I kept praying my prayer for Ryan since high school has been God just make him a man like David who just Mm -hmm. pursues your heart who just wants to know you Mm -hmm. and wants to be rooted in you and that's still the prayer I pray for him now you know almost 20 years later and there was this moment where I realized like 
I'm leading him because I'm a very take charge person. It's just naturally who I am. And I just had this moment of realization and months of realization that Ryan, and he was letting me because why wouldn't he? And Mm -hmm. so I was just kind of taking charge and leading the relationship in the direction I wanted it to go. And I'll never forget God slowly teaching me like you are praying for him to become a leader that you are in the way, like mm-hmm. you've got to, you're not, you're not given space for that to happen or that development to happen. Mm-hmm. And so to have to tell Ryan, like we have to step back from each other because there's stuff that God has to do in me mm-hmm. that allows me to be with you. And there's stuff he has to do in you because if we're ever, cause we had already talked about marriage at that point. Yeah. And I just, I just remember sitting in the car and it is the first and last time I've ever seen that man cry because how do you explain? Because my faith was bigger than his. And so to mm-hmm. me, it made perfect sense. But to him, he was like, this does not make any sense. I don't right. understand. Yeah. Right. But that was a pivotal moment in our relationship where the work that God did in him and in me to mm-hmm. allow someone to lead me because I just, I never allowed anyone to do that. I'd always been in charge. And yeah. And I mean, it's just a testament to God's timing. Mm-hmm. I think in all three of our stories, like had I started dating Christian at 15, never would have worked out even seven months into a good friendship with him, you know, same, but like same for you and Jonathan, you know, it was, there was time that like what, for whatever reason, that time in between your first date and your Mm -hmm. relationship started, like it took place for a reason. And yeah, you know, it's a testament to God's faithfulness Mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would say with the question, best relationship advice you've been given, love YouTube, follow some good Christian YouTubers. And they just like, they had just walked through engagement and gotten married in the last like six months. And so they encouraged just anyone who was listening to read the book love and respect by Dr. Emerson Eckert. Do you know, I just finished a, I know his daughter in a weird <gasps> thing. It is the weirdest. Anyways, go ahead. That just blows my mind because I literally yeah. just, I own this book and I've daughter. never read it. The book is in my cabinet right over there. It's the best thing. It truthfully truthfully taught us how to communicate to each other because everyone always says if you're engaged if you're dating if you're married you always hear communicate 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 and it's like okay I'm talking to them what's the like I am communicating to them I obviously talk to them but how you communicate and what the other person is listening for and what they're hearing Mm -hmm. it is so important and that's what we've talked about is how men just desire respect and women desire love not that that's the only thing that they need but when you communicate different things, that is how they hear it. And so that book was really, really impactful mm. for our current marriage because mm-hmm. we talk about it so much. Like I literally used that book as a reference the other day when I was like, when you say this, this is what I hear, mm-hmm. but I know that's not what you mean. And same way he'll say, you know, if you say this, this is what I hear and that's not what you mean. And so that has been just a great communication tool. And so yeah. that I guess the advice would be to read that book. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that happened right before I came up here to record was I was trying to eat a banana and Ryan had just finished his lunch and he wanted me to come and look at something in the garage and I dropped my banana <laughs> and I got <laughs> mad at him and no. I was like, can't you just let me eat my banana? Yeah. Like I just all of a sudden got like really irritated for no reason. And then he was like, he just walked in the other room and shut the door and I was like, are you really going to go shut the door right now? <laughs> and then he came back out and he was like, Here's how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. When you project a frustration on me, it feels like I've done something wrong. And in that instance, I hadn't done anything wrong. And I was yep. like, 
okay, no, you hadn't done anything wrong, but I couldn't even eat my banana. And yeah. he was like, <laughs> I get that. He was like, okay, I'll be more aware of what you're doing I before I ask you right. to do something. Yeah. And you be aware yeah. of not making me feel like you're always annoyed when I ask you to do something. Yeah. I one like, of, but I kind of am. But I kind of love it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> one of the examples in that book that really just like changed things for me was talking about how men like they work because that's not just something that like, you know, it's not just a job to them. Like it is something that they are passionate about. And he used the example of how women would respond to different situations and how men take offense to that. And I was like, I didn't even know this whole world existed. And the example was a guy loses his job and he's so down about it. And obviously a woman, like, what would you say? Like, Hey, but you know, we're going to make it. I love you. It's going to be okay. It's okay. And it's like, they're going to be like, your love's not enough. And it's like, what do you mean my love's not enough? And it's just like, no, like that's, that's the passion that they have for something in their life. And so it's just such a good book. And it's just brought a lot of clarity to like how he thinks and how he hears and how he communicates and how I can be more aware of that. But yeah, I think that would be my best advice I've gotten. Well, you all know how we end every episode. Oh, oh yeah. I'm so excited about so this. Excited. And that's with one question. And it's what are you so happy someone did tell you about? What I'm are you into? You, I've been anguishing over this question. <laughs> Everyone does. Anything. It always feels so easy. But then I have to write like, you know, like the weekly email where I'm like, hey, you should try this. And I'm like, have I tried anything? What am I trying? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what did I actually want to try that I didn't just get? This is going to be not an ad, but I not sponsored, not sponsored. I don't know if anyone has tried these. They're called LMNT salts. They're called element salts. Uh-huh. And basically I'm so excited about this. If you know I don't me, even know what it is. If you know me, you know that I hate water. I hate water so much. I know it's good for you. I know you need to drink it. And so what oh, I drinking do, it. Drinking I thought it, you meant it. all forms. Like I don't want to shower. I don't want to be in a pool. <laughs> I don't want to be by the so ocean. Unfortunate. <laughs> no, I hate drinking water. It's so boring to me and I know I need it. So what I would do is I would always I found these caffeine packets and I would put it in. It tastes so yummy. It's so good. They're so bad for me. And I know that. And so these little packets, they're called element salts. And it's kind of like they're filled with minerals. They're filled with electrolytes. And it just tastes like a Gatorade. And I kid you not, I have went through like four packs of these. And they are so good. And the only reason that someone told me about them is because Jonathan was sick last week. And they were like, he needs electrolytes and he needs to be drinking these. And I have been pounding them and now i love those water. health goals yeah. in 2023 you're already she not loves element water <laughs> element water element water not sponsored not sponsored yeah that's that's what i'm so glad yeah we can work on this we can get a sponsorship <laughs> any listeners out there i love it i want to try some i mine was a game time decision i could not decide until this very morning but what I'm so glad someone told me about. Actually, Samantha told me about this. And I don't know if you've heard of this, Callie, but it is Streetlights Bible. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So this it's is so good. this is an audio Bible on Spotify. And I don't know that it's on any other platform. It's not on Apple Podcasts. It no. may be on Apple Music. I think it's on Apple Music. I found it for Don Wilson. We found it for Don. Sweet. He did. But it is... Okay. If you like listening to the Bible... And you just have a really lame version of the audio Bible. <laughs> this is going to glow up that for you. Because this this audio Bible, I have no clue what translation it's in. But it is basically this very, They're I don't artists. know how to describe it. They're artists. They're almost spoken word artists that, that read. They, they oh, read literal One scripture. chapter at a time. 
there's this music bed underneath that kind of everything kind of vibey it's not super theatrical it's Mm -hmm. just kind of vibey music like Mm lo-fi vibes and then when dialogue happens between characters in each chapter the voice actors change so is it just in chronological order or in the not chronological well there is like you know you see like bible recap or whatever and they're like hey we're gonna read the bible in chronological it is order chapter by chapter or is it just chapter by chapter you can start in they will, just one go where you want they will they have picked different books of the bible so they have genesis they have first thessalonians they've got timothy they've got Mark, they've got Matthew. Yeah. They also have Spanish translations too, oh. but they do chapter by chapter. So they will like release a book at a time. Okay. So they don't have the whole Bible yet, but yeah. they're like releasing different ones at different times. I mean, I know I'm saying this on a podcast, but I'm a big podcast <laughs> listener. Yeah. I Music is a lot of my job. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I just want to hear somebody talk, especially at the gym or whatever. What I have loved about Streetlights Bible is I will, you know, work out while listening to this and I'll walk I walk out of the gym having listened to 30 chapters of the Bible and I'm invested. Yeah. And not that I don't know the story of creation, but it's, it's really, really awesome to hear stuff in a a new way. And be like, I I didn't know that this was what God said. Years ago, probably not years ago, probably two years ago, people tried to get me on the chosen train and I was like, not another like cheesy. Right. You guys remember the Bible series? Yes. Like I was like, I am not doing this again. I, love i weep every episode it's like i don't know what's gonna happen okay but but i do can i make a can i have a confession time tell me i haven't watched any of the chosen okay i we were talking about this we watched a video just a clip it was the clip of jesus and james i don't know if you guys have seen this and oh my gosh wept yep over it and i was talking to sam about it i was like do i need to just watch all of this you do you do ryan and i've been watching it together and it has actually created a lot of conversation Mm. just for example we there was a um song the other day at church and it had hebrew in it and it was what jesus said hanging on the cross blown away is the song oh yeah and it has like that Hebrew part yes. where Jesus is mm-hmm. like talking to God and it always had translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. And so that's how the translation I'd always seen. But I was reading just in a weird turn of events that week in my quiet time was reading the crucifixion scene. And the Bible that I was reading at that point translated it to my God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? Which hits a little harder, yeah. right? Like then mm-hmm. the forsaken part. Something we would say now. It's yeah. something we would say now. It's something we would feel now. Mm-hmm. And so Ron and I were even talking about this morning in the Chick-fil-A drive through line of, I said, I just can't get over the fact that like, he felt the thing that we would say right now is like, oh, why are you turning your back on me? Like he even felt that. Yeah, like he right, even asked right. that when he was, but it was, we started talking about how there's a scene in The Chosen where he's walking into a city and there are three crosses that some thieves are hanging on. Mm-hmm. And it's like this pivotal moment where he just pauses and looks at the crosses and you know, he's thinking, that's, that's, I mean. that's me. Like yeah. that's what, what my end will be. Mm-hmm. But then he carries on with the work that he has to do. It's just like, it just powerful, reframes powerful. your perspective. You had to go in knowing that it's going to reframe yeah. that mm-hmm. in a way that might not be like, you know, Sam was saying they take a lot of liberties and a lot of cho- like, they make choices. They make, they make choices in the chosen. Inter- <laughs> they make some interpretations. <laughs> yeah. They do. Things. But one thing that stood out to me, we were watching this scene where James goes up to Jesus and James has a limp and he's, asking Jesus, why have you given me the power to heal other people and you haven't healed me? Mm-hmm. But and Jesus, you know, monologues and, and talks to James about, you know, his reasoning for that and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But the thing that stood out to me in that scene was 
just the facial expressions, the compassion, yes. the compassion. Yeah. He was so acquainted and just felt for mm-hmm. James. And yeah. I think it just changed my perspective yeah. on, Oh my gosh, like Jesus is looking across mm-hmm. this person and yeah. knowing exactly how he feels. Mm-hmm. And we say that all the time, yeah. but to see it is, it just yeah. ignites an, an entirely it different response. It flips for me too. Cause we just got through the part where he starts doing his miracles. And every time he does a miracle, there's a close up of his face and the joy that he feels mm. seeing this person restored, yeah. seeing this Ugh. person redeemed. Yeah. Makes me weepy. And I always like, when I read scripture, I'm always just thinking, Oh, he's on to the next person. He's I never considered he has just as much joy right. for them being healed. It's like take up your mat and walk has yes. always been this very declarative. Yeah. And he just moves on to what's next. Powerful, but yes. not something that brings him the joy. And he has know? just as much joy. And I thought he still feels that for us. Like mm-hmm. he has just as much joy when we are restored and when we are healed now. Right. Then he did when he was right. like taking, you know, like healing people with his hands on them yeah. and with that, you know, like, right it's still the same. Like he has so much joy in those moments. Mm-hmm. And there was, this is the last thing I'll say, because I also have to go pick up my child. There is. I just am on this trip. Like guys, when I say I it thought is- this was the dumbest thing when people told me about it, I was like, I am not going down this path. It's going to be cheesy and I'm going to be irritated. Yeah. It is literally, it is literally so good. It is. And they show the humor of Jesus, yes. which there's a book that is very good. And it's called the humor of Jesus, but it talks about in Jesus in the translations of what he would say to disciples in that period. And in that culture, a lot of what he said is actually very funny mm. to that time. Like in that yeah. time period, like people probably I mean, he giggled and the laughed sense of a humor, little. Right? Yeah. Like, like people probably laughed and, <laughs> he or whatever it. with him, but we don't see that. Like right. we don't think that side of or you him. Don't, you don't read it that way. Yeah. But then in this, they show taught it that way in a lot of yeah, They show his humor in yeah. it. Too. It just, it's so good. I need you all to go I've watch so it. Caitlin, read and watch. Get on with it. Why you have gotta you not watch watched it, it yet? I know. Okay. Hey, okay. this was okay. a good time. This is one of the longest episodes. So we people are just, say, people man. are just going to have to roll with it. I think they, they need to hear all of it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not excited. This is I, not me. Kelly, thank you so much. Yeah, for, it's a good time. It's always my favorite when I get to do it with my people. It's always easier than like a zoom interview where I'm like, can I talk now? Are you done talking? What are you, what are you saying? I'm going to have to edit that out. This was a good time. Thank you guys so much for jumping in with me. Absolutely. Thank you.